I, I actually didn't believe it at first. I was like, there's no way that this could happen. I was just, I'm running, I'm snowboarding. How, how could this happen? Especially at that age, um, there's a lot of moments of confusion and, and denial, I think, at first. It became very philosophical. I lived a lot in my mind and, and asked myself these difficult questions. And um, honestly, like without the friends and the family and that like kind of unconditional support, um, I, I really don't think I would be here. And I think when when people are paralyzed in their minds and and thinking like, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that, I would just say eventually you just got to snap out of it and then know that you can. You just got to push yourself. I got lucky. I was surrounded with the right people that was encouraging me. And I was surrounding myself with people that were trying to be better. It's a, it's a firm reminder of, you know, who you are and where you are. And I think that that all kind of falls into like, you know, self-confidence. I would say if I can encourage, you know, one person to fall in love with life again, I would consider my life a success. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. Before we get started, before I introduce this week's guest, which I'm super excited to have, by the way, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in, listening. I don't know if you're driving, you're at the gym, or you're just in your office, home office, laying in your pajamas, or whatever it is you're doing. I hope you're dreaming big. I hope you are visualizing and seeing a bright future no matter where you are right now. My mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. Right now, you are the most important person to me. Listen, enjoy, kick back, but also take notes and take at least one thing with you today that can help you move in the direction that you want to be in life. We're here to help. I want to hear from you. So please let me know how how it's going. If there's anything that we can help and assist you with, uh, I would love to be that person for you. And without further ado, and before I introduce this week's guest, I also want to say thank you to Remarkable 2. And I've written down my goals basically since I was 15 years old. And uh, I always did pen to paper. I'm a big believer in pen to paper. I don't believe in typing it in on the computer, which is probably better than not doing it at all or your phone. But uh, there's something magical that happens when you type pen to paper. Now with the Remarkable, you can actually do that digitally. So if you want to be cool and look cool and but still be you know a little bit old school check out remarkable i really like it i can also send my articles from you know la times new york times all the magazines directly to it as a pdf and all the advertising and all the bright lights is gone so check out remarkable um, if you're interested in that this week's guest, you know, we got connected in a strange way, he inquired on a property, and then we started chatting, sending some cool, you know, sports pictures, action pictures, and, you know, now we're here today. We actually never met in person, but I, I got the honor, you know, to having uh, Ryan here on my podcast, and uh, Ryan Chen is a super cool dude, grew up, loved sports, and when he was 19, his life completely changed. He, he shattered his spine in a snowboarding accident and was instantly paralyzed from the waist down. As you can imagine, this hit hard. And what do you do from that? And that's the question we're going to ask today. How do, you, how do you come back to loving life and doing something incredible? Ryan is here now as a super cool human individual that are building an incredible company called Neuro. And they were on Shark Tank. They're rolling out to Whole Foods all over the country, which is fucking badass. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but it's my show, so I'm going to do it anyway. So yeah, Ryan Chen, without further ado, welcome to the I Love Success podcast. <laughs> Peter, thanks so much for having me. I love the intro. I love the energy. Yeah, I mean, that that's you. <laughs> it, before we go into, you know, all the nitty gritty and all of that, can you just tell us a little bit, who was Ryan Chen when you were a kid? What did you dream about? What did you love to do and, and, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I grew up in a, in, a, uh, in a neighborhood in Pasadena here in close by to L.A. 
um, grew up in a very, very diverse neighborhood. We were like uh, the one Chinese family there, uh, African-American family next to me that uh, their two kids were my best friends growing up, Filipino family, Caucasian family, Korean family, Armenian family. It was so eclectic in this one block. And so um, that was really special. I got to like introduce, I got introduced to all sorts of food at a really young age. And I think if you kind of would describe me or my mom would describe me, I was kind of a handful. I was always kind of running around. I was like the little, like little kid, uh, trying to be like a little menace, but, um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun growing up. I, I grew up in a really loving household. Um, and yeah, got put in sports quite early. So my parents, uh, put a pretty good equal emphasis on, athletics and academics and and for that i'm forever grateful awesome and what, what sports did you did you love to do as a kid yeah i mean as a kid my mom i think each parent got to choose what sport i was going to do so for my mom she put me in kendo which is a japanese martial art it's uh it's like art of, it's like a fencing um it's like one of the national sports out in japan and then my dad really wanted me to get into golf so uh those were the two sports i grew up doing and then um middle school high school got to play basketball run cross-country and track and and that's really kind of where I, f- I found my stride so awesome yeah high school high school was big for me um I got to I, I was living in Japan for five years prior to that but moved my sophomore year back in like 2005 and uh got uh super into cross-country and track and uh we got to go you know our state nationals um my my junior and senior year and it was like a pretty incredible experience wow and uh what did you learn from living in Japan? Oh man. <laughs> well, one, I love Japan. By I the love way. Japan. Are you, it's such a great place. It's beautiful. when did you go? Uh, 2008. I competed in the world championship there in Nippon Budokan uh, in Tokyo. Amazing. Uh, that was a great experience. Yeah. That's a, that's an incredible. So I, I competed at the Budokan when I was in oh, middle school for Kendo. Yeah. So that was a national championships. Um, wow. I was a, I was a black belt when I was in eighth grade and then, um, our dojo was called Jijokan and it was, they're really famous for Kendo. Um, got to compete in Budokan, which is really special. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool arena. And I remember walking There's in so there. Much it's history. so high. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's super special. I, it was funny. I don't know how you, but I felt so small when I wa- was in there because it was so high, the bleach and was like, this is a cool place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was super special. I, I mean, I, I loved it. And um, yeah. my experience there was like, you know, I was in middle school. So my, my parents had had split. My mom, my, my parents are both Chinese, but both born and raised Japan. So culturally, I was very Japanese, identified with Japanese culture, but obviously, you know, born in America, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. Um, so going back to the country and, and living in Japan, um, was was special you know i got to go to international school meet a lot of a lot of people but um yeah i learned a lot about like i met a lot of really interesting people at a, at a really young age that's interesting i'm curious you know as uh, if you're uh, chinese in in japan is there is the racism there or how how or is like how is it over there um yeah i think so because i was in an international school i think i wasn't probably exposed to as much but um, at the same time, I spoke Japanese growing up. So I think they yeah. could obviously tell I probably had an American accent. Um, yeah. But I didn't really quite experience that racism. But I know that there's obviously a lot of history in the past. And even even now, there there is yeah. some am- animosity, I think, between between the two countries. Uh, one thing that I, one of the, the coolest experiences that I had in Japan was, you know, that everybody honors every type of work and take a pride in it. So what happened to me, I remember I was, for people who haven't been in Tokyo, the the subway system there, it's huge. And if you can't read Japanese, it's it's a challenge. Uh, So I had this note. And there's millions of people. And there's millions of people, (laughs) literally, right? So I had this piece of paper where it said the station. So I go to the counter, I ask, Hey, we're going here. How do we how do we get there? And the person working behind the desk just showed me everything. And they, then walk, we they like walking. physically walk you all the way, right? They're so generous. With yeah. Their time. He didn't do that at that time, but he was like, go this, that, and mm-hmm. said it like multiple times. Got but it. then we're down, we found the place, and like two minutes later, he comes running towards me. 
It's like, what did I do? What did I do? And he came with, with the, I had forgotten the piece of paper with oh. the name and he came and he like put his hand like, oh. like in honor, like, here you go. You forgot this. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's super special. Yeah. You, you definitely, that's- I mean, one thing I do remember about living in Japan is I've, I was kind of like a clumsy kid. Like I was like pretty forgetful, like leaving stuff like, I mean, like phones and, and wallet. I've lost my yeah. phone and wallet. I think in the, you know, four or five years I was there probably three times. Um, yeah. And every single time it would come back with all the money, all the cards, everything was back in it. It's, it's a very honored based society where if somebody yeah. drops something, like they'll give it back. One time, actually, I dropped the, uh, I dropped my wallet and it was raining. And uh, they returned, some amazing, honest person returned it to the police station, had, had previously taken out the, all the cards, had fanned it, to dry it off for me and then returned it to the police officer. It's just like that little attention to detail is very sweet. Um, and yeah, that definitely yeah. makes Japan very special. Just one, one of the many things <laughs> and the food. <laughs> yeah, the, the food's incredible. Things. Yeah. They have yeah. the best food. So you, you, you go to Japan, you come back and then you love sports and then you go, you go on a skiing trip. Can you just talk about that and, and like what happened? Yeah. So, so I actually got recruited for a couple of schools to, to, to run cross country and track and decided to, to kind of focus more of my efforts on like student council and things that were more um, like student council oriented. And so freshman year, I was one of the liaisons on our, in our undergraduate campus. We, I went to UCSD where I met my co-founder and sophomore year in 2009, I was 19 and uh, we were up for um, our friend's birthday, a little skiing trip. And, you know, everything seemed regular. It was like, little did I know that my life would change, you know, in like the next like 24 hours. But I was going off a jump like about February 8th in 2009. And, and I landed um, on my spine about 35 feet going off a pretty big jump. Um, I grew up skiing. I grew up snowboarding. Uh, it was something I loved doing. It's still a big part of my life. Um, I go mono skiing now, which is it's incredibly fun. But um, in that moment, um, yeah, everything stopped. Like I remember hitting the ground. It was cold. It was like a whiteout storm. So you couldn't really quite see your landing. And that, I think that was a, a big reason for, for the injury. Um, but I remember laying down and I mean, the park was pretty much closed because the weather was so bad and the conditions were so bad. But luckily my girlfriend at the time was behind me, uh, realized something was wrong. I couldn't get up. I couldn't feel my legs. Um, she skied down to get ski patrol. And immediately, I mean, I kind of knew something was serious when I, I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't move. And I also was having trouble breathing because uh, the impact was so big that what happened was like I had a T9 burst fracture. So my my ninth uh, thoracic vertebrae exploded and I punctured my right lung because I broke all my ribs. And so it was a combination of all that, but a lot of adrenaline. I remember just like, where am I? Like what happened? Um, I knew where I was, but I knew something was was bad so i didn't want to fall asleep or if i hit my head i didn't want to like go unconscious um but i mean within eight hours between the ambulance going to one hospital going to another going to trauma one surgery um, in loma linda um they 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 put me under to to stabilize my spine and and basically rebuild my back um i woke up a couple days later in the icu and then i was told that you know I i would never walk again and so that was one surreal and two I actually didn't believe it at first. I was like, there's no way that this could happen. I was just, I'm running, I'm snowboarding. How, how could this happen? Especially at that age, um, there's a lot of moments of confusion and, and denial, I think at first. Um, but yeah, I spent the better half of about six months in and out of living in a hospital and then um, trying to go back to school later that same year in September. Thank you for sharing that first. Yeah. Nope. What happens in 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 the mind during those times when like somebody tells you like hey you're, you're never going to walk again and you you don't believe them like right uh, yeah and when, when does it kick in and, and how do you like what are what are the thoughts that goes through your mind at that point um I, th- I the first the first moment when i heard it i i didn't believe it i was almost like in denial so much shock like i i like visit yeah. my brain could not process like what was being told um, you know, my mom was living in Japan at the time, flew in, my dad, my sister, my close friends. Um, and I think like they knew that something was really serious. 
Um, and then when they heard the diagnosis, I think everybody was like just shocked, you know, crying. I got letters from, you know, my team in high school and, you know, like friends and everybody back at school. And, and I think that started to sink in where I was getting like big posters and cards and get better and get well soon, text message, emails, all that stuff. And I think for the first few months, it was, you know, almost like blind optimism. I, I, you know, I thought that like, I have to get better. There's no way. And I think reality to really started to sink in, I would say month three onward. And um, to, to be completely honest, I think the first two years was very, very tough. Um, I went through major ups and downs, emotional swings from like 19 to 21. Um, also during that two year span, I did uh, a total of about 15 surgeries. So every time I was like, wait, why me? And then you go through this like moments of frustration, depression, um, even suicidal thoughts. You're just like, I, I don't know what my life is going to even mean anymore. Like how, how can I possibly recover from this? Or like what kind of future can, can my life hold? So you ask yourself a lot of these questions and in a lot of ways, it, it became very philosophical. I lived a lot in my mind and, and asked myself these difficult questions. And um, honestly, like without the friends and the family and that like kind of unconditional support, um, I, I really don't think I would be here. I mean, it, it's so crazy because I've, I've had those thoughts, like what would happen to my life if, I, if I'm in an accident and mm -hmm. I get paralyzed? And to be honest with you, before I started this podcast four or five years ago, I, I would, would have said like, hey, I don't want to live then. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Those are exact thoughts that yeah. go through a lot of people's minds, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people. But then when you you get the, the, the opportunity to meet with people that have gone through that, you realize that something, we're, we're magnificent, magnificent as human beings. We yeah. find a way to survive and we find a way to thrive again. And can you just talk about when when was the shift when you like went from hey I don't want to do this anymore and like what's going on with my life until you started feeling like hey I can actually do this? I think it yeah there's like one to 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 go into that point what you're saying humans are incredibly adaptable um, yeah. and and perseverance is a huge a huge factor I think people aren't sure what they're capable of until like their backs against the wall and like you know, you're, you're forced and you're, you're pushed to, to, to see, see what your limits are. And for me, it was a lot of that was like the emotional and mental push. Like I, I really thought I was like on that verge. Um, but it in, in turn made me more stronger. I think in a lot of ways, more empathetic. But I think going back to your point, um, I think it, it was about a year and a half into it. When I first made my like trip out, I, I traveled with some friends, realized that like, Oh, a lot of the things that I focused on in the, in the beginning, it was like, oh, I can't do this, or I can't do that. This is going to be different. And then you realize you put all these negative thoughts in your mind of like, oh, like you start with, I can't versus before it's like, oh, I can do this. And slowly you start checking off things of like, oh, I can, I can go on a road trip or I can go to music festivals. I can learn to drive. You, I can graduate. I could double me. You start doing things and you start checking off goals. And, um, and then you slowly kind of build your confidence back. I think for me, it wasn't obviously an overnight thing. You, you don't just get, wake up the next morning. You're like, hey, you know what? Everything is good. It was like slow, small milestones. And I think one, one thing I always tell myself and, and, you know, others is just like celebrate the small wins because life is so short, moves so fast. Uh, you got to just appreciate, you know, how far you've come and, and, you know, Give yourself, give yourself some credit, you know, when, when credit's due and you're working hard and, and you see small levels of progression. Um, I think that's really important for, for one, your mental health and, and two, your confidence to, to build into something and, and realize that um, your goalposts can keep moving back further and further. And you can, you can be more confident and you can start to look for, for more bigger and audacious goals. Like, you know, it, it slowly happens, but it, it takes, it takes small steps at a time. Was it any specific person or book or YouTube video or anything that kind of started giving you more energy? Man, I yeah, so many of my close friends were you're pivotal. Like, you know, my co-founder Kent's like one of my best friends. He's like a brother to me. Um, my childhood best friend Brandon came to visit me in the hospital. And I remember one thing he said was like, Hey man, like you're still the same guy, but now you're just in the chair chilling. And he just said that with so much swag and confidence. And I I laughed because I was like, oh man, like you're right. Like I'm still the same person, like getting from point A to point B might be different, but 
inherently like I am who I am. And that injury or accident or traumatic event can a lot of times shape you, but it doesn't necessarily have to define you. And for me, that was huge. I was like, you know what? You're right. This doesn't have to define me. I can, I can, I can use this as an experience and then like better, further, further, better myself in a lot of ways. So, I mean, there's so many people in my life. Um, Marcus Haney, uh, one of my best friends from high school, um, took me on my first road trip and trip after my accident. That was an eye-opening experience. Um, yeah, there's just so many people I, I can't even begin to thank, like really close friends. And I'm, I'm really fortunate for that. Awesome. And as far as, you know, I meet so many people that are paralyzed in their mind. Mm. You know, they're stopping themselves from doing things because they think they can't. And uh, mm -hmm. what do you want to tell tell those people? I, I think yeah. it's such such a shame when you see that. Like, hey, believe in yourself and yeah. and, and 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 try get the small wins. But it it's much easier said than done, especially oh, if, sure. you, if you're if you if you feel we we all know like when we feel weak, it doesn't matter if someone says, "Yeah, come on, cheer up, buddy." Like you're like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. I, I I don't like. Yeah. So I felt that it's, way. It's hard. hard. Yeah, I mean, I remember in the beginning, um, you know, when I first got my accident, and they they were trying to force a therapist, the neuropsychologist, all these people would just see me, and I was like, "No, like, why why the fuck do I need to talk to someone who doesn't know my condition? Like, why am I going to talk about a talk to a stranger?" And I was really stubborn, and then I was really kind of naive that you know talking through things is actually really therapeutic um but like what i have to say about that is yeah i i do know what it's like to be paralyzed in your mind because those first two years was a real uphill battle and uh the moments where i'm like what's the point you ask yourself like why and i think there has to be a moment where you just have to stop feeling sorry for yourself like i felt sorry that like hey i'm a young kid i had a bright future what happened And I started t talking to myself in all these past tense, like this could have, or I, I should have. And, you know, everyone knows this is you can always say that you, you should have, could have, would have, like, it's all these like ex almost excuses. And, and there, there came to be a point where I didn't want to feel sorry for myself. I didn't want to be a case where people were always like, oh, you know, we had these expectations for Ryan and I'm sure Ryan had expectations of himself, but because of this, like, you know what, he has a perfectly good reason or excuse not to, or not to be able to accomplish those things. And I think all of us start to convince ourselves of that if we tell ourselves that long enough. Um, I think after college and I, I graduated, you know, I was able to graduate with my friends and my peers. It took a lot of time and, and there was a lot of, a lot of that mental thing. I was like, man, you know what? Like all my friends are getting these cool internships in the summer. They're traveling. I'm like in summer school trying to keep up and catch up. And You know, you're going to go through these hard moments in your life, but just know that if you keep working at it, you're going to get far. And I think when when people are paralyzed in their minds and and thinking like, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that, um, I would just say eventually you just got to snap out of it and then know that you can. You just got to push yourself. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, all those small steps adds up, right? We're looking 100%. at all all the cool people that have accomplished things that we admire and we're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. But we forget about all the, you know, the small, the small wins they had to go through and yeah. all, all the things they had to do in order to, to get there. We're all guilty of that, right? Like it's a comparison. Yeah. They say comparison is a thief of joy. And, and I believe that because um, every time you might accomplish something which is big for you, then you're just like, oh, but this person or so-and-so, they did that. Um, I'm guilty of it a hundred percent. I'm a hypocrite. because, like, you know, but I, I realized like, you know what, like, wait, stop, celebrate the small wins. Like look at what yeah. you've accomplished and, 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 um, you guys you push yourself and, and believe in yourself. I think that's just important. Um, it's tough. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we all like people that are listening to this show, if you're listening here and you've listened for a while, you know, all the answers is not the answer. That's the problem is to actually go out and fucking do it yeah. and do it every day. Even when you don't feel like it, that's the hard thing. And yeah. we are all, we're all guilty of that. Right. But I know for myself, like, for example, when my, when my clock rings in the morning, I'm like, of course I want to stay in bed a little bit longer, yeah. you know, yeah. I once I'm up, like, Hey, this is good. Yeah. What's your, what was your motivation? Like, how, do you feel like that, that, you know, in, inspiration for you waking up, getting, 
getting ready, setting these goals at 15? Like what inspired that? Was that just, was that something from your parents or you feel like that was just like in your core, like in, in, in who you are? I don't know. I think like my father's my karate coach, but I had, I had a lot of pain, you know, growing up because I was, I was bullied. I was overweight. I lost Mm -hmm. all my friends. First I was the shortest and, and a chubby kid in class. Then I lost weight because I had problems with my, uh, what's called like an eating disorder or Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. And then I was just skinny and, and short, you know, and, uh, had bad confidence and all of that. So I think that drove me to to the karate dojo because in there, yeah. nobody cared. You can just train hard. Yeah. And then eventually, I think what I realized was, okay, I, I thought if I become good at something, people are going to like me. Mm, uh, so I think that was a driver at first. But yeah. then I realized it doesn't matter if people like you that you don't want to like you. <laughs> You, yeah. want, you want to be yourself and you yeah. want to be, uh, so I went on this whole journey, like exploring and, 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 and learning from myself. And now my drive is, you know, to build a good life for myself. I would lie if I, if I said something else, but it's also to help a lot of people uh, because I was, you know, paralyzed in my mind. I had bad confidence. I, mm. I was putting, you know, roadblocks in my own life all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and finally, because of all the great role models I get to meet and, you know, getting track record in my own life, I get, I realized that, hey, that small little chubby kid, that was just a story you told yourself, like, hey, love yourself, go out and do your, do your shit and have fun. Yeah. Uh, the people that love you are going to love you and people are going to have opinions either way don't, don't even bother, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I love that. And I, I think one, one thing to touch up on, on, on that point where you're trying to build up confidence and, and, and a, a, approach something so people can like you, it's, it really starts with liking yourself, right? You got to love yourself to yeah. be able to love other people. And I, I realized that where, you know, early on, like I got to the point where like, you know what, like, if this is what the way my life is, that's fine. Like, at least I can be nice to other people. I can quote unquote, love other people. And what I realized yeah. is like, you can't truly love someone unless you love yourself because you can't respect other people unless you respect yourself. Like there's just, there comes a moment where you got to feel good about yourself to be genuine about that feeling or else there's like, it doesn't come off like in the same way. And it took me years, like years where I like hated myself. I hated my body. I hated what happened. All that confidence just is gone. And slowly you build up that confidence. You're like, you know what? I do want to take care of myself. Like I want to eat healthy. I want to eat right. Um, you know, I want to finish school. I want to, I want to learn and educate myself. You start to build this stuff to where like, you know, I'm doing these things to, because I love myself. And then you start realizing that the friendships and, and your relationships with your family, your parents, like start to, to mature and, and for the right reasons. Cause you're like, Oh, I want to take care of myself. Like now I really, I want to make sure that you're good. Like, are you doing this and this? Like you're looking out for the best interests of people. Um, but yeah, someone told me that's like, Ryan, you can't love other people unless you love yourself. Cause like I, I think in my mind, I wanted to, you know, in theory, I was like, oh, like, you know, it's okay. I can be this martyr or whatever. It doesn't work like that. You gotta, you gotta start with yourself and and, and look from inside out. Were there any specific moments in your life when you kind of, uh, when that clicked and when you're, you're like, hey, uh, this is, this is actually important. I think, I think the health component for me came in maybe like a year and a half, two years where I was like, you know what? Like, like I, I realized that there's all these things I could do sports wise. And like, in one of the big things on my list was actually running a marathon. You know, I was a big runner in high school. Um, and one of my goals was like, I'm going to run a marathon. And I was like, you know what? Like that was one of the things going back to our original conversation. Like, I can't do that. I can't run a marathon. I was like, wait, no, you can Like, of course you can. There's, and then I discovered there's hand cycling race chair, um, and I, I signed up for a race chair three weeks out, did my first marathon in San Diego. And then, you know, I did seven. I got to train with the U.S. Paralympic team and and discover that wow. whole world and go back into competitive sports. You know, my co-founder, Kent, was training with the Olympic judo team in Japan. He was finding professional Muay Thai. And, you know, I was inspired by him and what he was taking, supplementation, what he was putting in his body to, like, better performance. And, and yeah, I just, I got lucky. I was surrounded with the right people that was encouraging me. And I was surrounding myself with people that were trying to be better. Um, so yeah, like, I think there's, 
definitely those moments, you know, where you're like, (laughs) so let's talk about Nuru. Like you're, you're in a really cool journey here. Like how did that start? How long ago? And like, talk, talk a little bit about the journey. Yeah. Um, so, so going back to that conversation of like people supporting me, Kent was one of my, you know, closest friends and, and he's, uh he we met my freshman year he was a sophomore he was studying neuroscience i was doing chemistry and econ and he was training heavily you know uh olympic judo team uh, muay thai i had i had given up running completely i wanted to focus on other things and just saw how he was training and and when i got injured he was supporting me to kind of get back into this routine and supplementation and what i was putting in my body um he was giving me these pills that he was mixing himself and that was essentially like version zero of neurogum it was like it was like, how do you take supplementation in pill form? And he was like on all these forums on Reddit and studying what was actually working for his body. And, and, uh, I just trusted him, you know, it was, it was like not made, you know, it was, it was made in his like lab, which was his like desk at home. And, you know, we were taking that for years until 2013, we were getting our scuba diving certification and it was something that we wanted to do. And we we're curious about like, let's just, just do it. And then we were, we we're tired and we we're like, well, energy drinks are bad or inconvenient pills. Like we didn't have any. So we're just like, what if we were able to create this energy product in a more convenient format, like gum and mints. And that was the idea that was back in 2013. And we we're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's, let's, let's like, let's discover. It. And, you know, then we got busy, we got full-time jobs. Um, and it wasn't until 2015 where we actually saved up enough money to kind of give it a shot and, and just go for it. So we launched a brand the end of 2015 on an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, it got picked up. The Reddit community supported us. Uh, Dr. Oz did a whole segment on us, Time Magazine. And uh, we bootstrapped the business for like a year and a half, shipping shipping boxes out of Kent's condo, um, going to the post office every day, packaging boxes on the weekends. Like I got really good at making boxes and putting on labels. <laughs> um, yeah. And fast forward, you know, we now we have, you know, we've grown the business quite a bit. And, you know, we were you know, we're at CVS, we're at Whole Foods now nationwide, we're on Amazon on our website. And we've slowly built this community where, you know, people are like, you know, love our product. They, they take it as an alternative Are people who can't drink coffee or energy drinks or are looking for a healthier alternative. Um, you know, we, we've built kind of a cool, loyal fan base and, and it's a small company still. And, and we're just looking every day to continue to grow it. Awesome. And what has been, uh, the biggest challenges of growing, growing a company? I think for us, I think, I mean, there's so many challenges when you're starting a company, but I would say one is marketing and just education, getting people to, to, to try the, the product. Um, we, we realized for us, sampling is really big. So going to events, um, CrossFit events, music festivals, uh, charities, like we, we, we would donate a lot of product that we, we're just trying our best to get the product out there. I think that's a big challenge. Um, and then as a company continues to scale and we're at 17 people, I think management, um, maintaining, you know, a healthy company culture, encouraging people to be active pursue their, you know, goals outside of work, making sure, you know, company satisfaction, employee satisfaction is there. There's, there's a lot of challenges that, that come along with it, but, um, I would say those two are really important to me, um. And as a leader, what would you say are your strengths and weaknesses? I would say, so some of my weaknesses is, um, I think definitely like organization. I'm a little bit all (laughs) over the place. Uh, Like there's, for me, like I have a lot of ideas. I love building relationships with people. And and luckily we've hired in people who are very task oriented, very, you know, operationally and organized. And so those, those people on our team have been super core. But I would say my some of my strengths are I think connecting connecting the dots like um, it's 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 been you know one of the things that I find value in and and a lot of the times is is kind of keeping my eyes open and ears open and being receptive to like what things are not working and trying to trying to make the connections on trying to improve things. So if it's formulation, how do we find better formulators and flavor houses? If it's if it's like shipping, like how do we find, like how do we improve processes at our, our, our fulfillment warehouses to get product out on time? Um, I think that's kind of my strength is, is listening and trying to connect the dots. Yeah. 
And I'm I'm curious because I, as I told you yesterday, I had the founder of Rebook here, and it's amazing. Uh, yeah, he is Joe Foster, super cool guy, and he told me back in the days, like social media was basically runner's world for them. That right. Was the, yeah, the magazine. Every, every runner. Yeah. yeah. Every runner bought that magazine, and they had they had a, uh, I think the August number of every year had a rating on the shoes, mm. and the goal was to get a five star shoe. And the moment Reebok got a five-star shoe, they actually got three five-star shoes. That's when everything went crazy. But he, wow. he told me it was so hard, the fulfillment and, and all of that is so hard when you get those orders. So I'm just curious, what yeah. happened the day after Shark Tank? Yeah. Like, what happened? I mean, we were luckily pretty prepared for Shark Tank, but yeah, like certain things like that, that can trigger off like a lot of orders. Um, it's yeah. difficult. Like there's, uh, some people think that, you know, you get an, you're an overnight success and the rest is history. But I think with a lot of publicity and really good media and PR, sometimes the biggest challenges is, is the growing pains of being able to meet the demand, right? Like yeah. you get, say you get like a hundred thousand orders, but then you only had inventory for 50,000. Like it could actually bankrupt you in some ways, because then, then you're putting in a lot of rushed inventory and product to try to fill the remaining 50,000 by then people might not want the product anymore. So there's a lot of different challenges like companies go through. Um, for us on Shark Tank, luckily we were kind of prepared, but we didn't know when we were going to air. Like we shot it back in September. We didn't air till April. Um, and those like pretty much six months, we were just kind of waiting and we had inventory. And sometimes you buy so much inventory that it takes away from the capital that you can spend on marketing or advertising, all this other stuff. So there's definitely some challenges that come along with that. So um, I'm sure, you know, the Reebok founder has some insane stories because it, it probably didn't end there. He probably had a lot of other growth challenges, but um, yeah. you learn a lot from them. It's, it's kind of my big takeaway. And, and you try your best to like prepare for it again in the future if that opportunity ever arises again. Yeah. And, and what's your vision for the company now? I think our vision for the company is trying to be the the go-to leader for functional gum and mints. You know, primarily you go and you get a pack of gum or mints, it's, it's breath freshening, you know, and that's pretty much it. We want to be able to put, you know, multivitamins in a gum and mint. We want to be able to put um, a, a stress relief gum and mint, you know, uh, you know, different types of form factors um, or like goals um, to be able to put that in, in that form factor is going to be our goal. So you know, we started off with an energy gummament that's been, um, you know, our flagship product. But ultimately, our vision is to to kind of put health and wellness in your pocket. That's that's our goal. I love that health and wellness <laughs> in your pocket. Yeah, uh, that's a cool one. Um, so, as far as uh, growing the company uh, and building this brand, what has been the most exciting part? What is something that has happened that you never even even thought was was possible? Um, I mean, Joe Rogan being a huge fan of the product is really cool. Um, yeah. I mean, we sent him a bunch of product and and all of a sudden, like a few months later, he, he was talking about it with Tony Hawk, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, um, John Stewart. Like, it was just so cool to see that, um, that we have people all around the world, like college students, um, you know, working professionals, senior citizens, everybody that, you know, there's different people who take the product and and give us kind of, this review and, and, and honest feedback. And, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, is, is a superstar and, you know, in the yeah. podcast world and, and like as a, as an influencer. And so that, that was really cool. That was special, obviously different wins, like getting into Whole Foods or CVS, um, going from me and Kent as the only employees to hiring our first employee, you know, to hiring the 10th employee, there's like small milestones, getting our own office. Um, there's a lot of those small wins, but um, you know, I encourage everybody who's on that startup journey to, to, to journal. Like you said, you write your goals every day since you're 15. I think another important thing is to write your accomplishments and like small, like small wins every day, or it doesn't have to be every other day, like once a week, but, um, important to remind yourself, like kind of the progress and take a step back to appreciate, appreciate it. What do you regret in your life, Ryan? Yeah, I get this question a lot. I think people <laughs> often think like, oh, do you regret like, you know, going off that jump or do you regret anything in your life? And I think ultimately living life in regret means that you're living backwards and in the past. And so I try to think about every moment 
not as like a regret, but more of as a learning experience. So what did I learn out of that experience and not think about it as a mistake or a failure? Um, a lot of times people in startups are like, oh, this failed. Like, what did you learn from your biggest failure? Or what's your biggest regret? I like to say like, oh, like this happened and this is what I learned from it. This happened, this kicked my ass. Like we thought we were going to be bankrupt. It was a horrible decision, but then we implemented X, Y, Z to try to make that not happen in the future. So yeah. I think it's just reframing that question. Um, and we, 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 we asked ourselves that a lot, like, okay, how do we, how do we improve this? And, and not think about it as like a mistake. And as far as looking at, you know, confidence and, and what do you do on a, on a day-to-day to work, day-to-day basis to work on your confidence? That's a good question. I don't know if I've been asked that. A day-to-day <laughs> confidence, I would say being proud of like what you're doing, you know, like if you're doing hard work and, you know, it might not be completely your passion, at least you know that you're working hard. Or if you're not liking what you're doing, actively looking for something that is going to be going toward achieving your goal. So I think that all boils down into the confidence and and kind of staying grounded, staying connected with like, you know, people who are close with your lives, you know, pick up the phone, call a loved one. I think it's a, it's a firm reminder of, you know, who you are and where you are. And I think that that all kind of falls into like, you know, self-confidence. Yeah, I think uh, confidence is so hard because I realized in my life when I'm happy, I'm usually very confident. Mm-hmm. And when I'm sad, it's almost like the body shows like, yeah. like when you- You slouch like, over, you're, yeah. you kind of put your head a little bit down. Yeah, mood affects it, a lot it, of that. It does, yeah. And But for me, I try to do things that make me happy on a day-to-day basis, even though like- Every job, every business, if you want to become an athlete, entrepreneur, actor, singer, whatever, whatever you want to do mm-hmm. in order to excel, not every moment is going to be super fun, right? No. Because you, you'll yeah. have to hustle. You'll have to, there will be struggles. I always say that like, you don't know, you can't be happy unless you've ever been sad, right? There's no, you need a baseline. You need some reference point. And so for you to really enjoy success, like you have to have struggle, um, not too much struggle or not too many, you know, wins, cause then you get complacent and things get too easy. But, um, yeah, I think that's important. Like, what do you, what do you do that kind of makes you happy? Like, well, I work out working out. That's great. That's like one of the best ways to do it. I love that. I meditate. Uh, mm-hmm. I love coffee. I Amazing. usually go like in the morning, just have a coffee, uh, look at the beach, uh, try to be with myself a little bit. It's awesome. And yeah, I I try to do. I mean, it's interesting. I want to ask you this because it's a difference between being feeling lonely and being in solitude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you do like how are you how how have you worked with yourself and uh, do you enjoy your own company now that's a really good question i actually by by trait i think my personality i'm not really good at being by myself i'm i'm pretty extroverted so there's a lot of moments where like oh man like i'm i'm going to be eating alone tonight or dinner tonight like i like want to see who's available but i do think it's really important to take those moments of solitude to just like enjoy being alone you know being with your with yourself like not in a negative way but just be like oh i'm gonna enjoy my own company and like be with my my own thoughts i think that's important but um yeah i think that's yeah yeah no i think but i I do work on that like i i I think i actively know that like oh it's good to spend some time alone like you know after this call probably go hopefully check out the sunset you know go outside i've been working all day inside which is not good so get a little, get yeah. outside a little bit. Um, yeah, enjoy, I think enjoy that. Yeah, you got to. I think, you know, the as far as the solitude versus loneliness, I think for any person listening to this, if you want to, you know, excel in your life, first of all, I do believe uh, go fast, go alone, go far, go together. Mm-hmm. So 100%. you, you, yeah, so I do believe that you should be with other people, but there's also going to come a couple of decisions and moments in your life when it's only you 
so to build that strength, I think it's important to to spend time with yourself and be okay with that and, and not by self being by yourself. I don't mean that being on your phone, really being with yourself and you know, listen to those negative thoughts that comes up in any person's mind and and battling them and and winning over them and and knowing, hey, this is going to come at me, but I am ready and I'm going to win over that and I'm going to love myself in order to love others and create the life that I want. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love how you said that. As far as goals, how do you work with goals? (laughs) With goals? like I said, I think the goalpost keeps moving when you when you get closer and closer to it. But I like to set goals um, that are team oriented. You know, I do have personal goals. Like right now, you know, I had a dream of flying as a kid. Right now, I'm like actively trying to get my private pilot certification. Um, you know, those are personal goals that I think ultimately would have a greater goal on who I am, build a little bit more confidence, make me a better leader, help encourage, you know, the people on my team to kind of go for their own goals too. So, you know, we, we've had teammates who, who've switched completely different roles from web development to like email marketing or like uh, data analyst to operations. Like, like as long as you're open and receptive to like seeing what people are doing, you can be a better leader. And, um, and, and they, they mention what those goals are. So I think fact checking just your, not yourself, like, Hey, if what I'm doing, is this really what I want to be doing? And then also asking other people too, like your your loved ones, like, hey, what are you what have you been up to? Like, is this like, yeah. do you enjoy it? And being really honest, because these conversations that we have on podcasts really make me think and make me introspective on like what what the outcome I want it to be. And and I think you can ask those same questions with with your close close friends and family too. Yeah, and I mean, I'm that's why I'm so blessed because these. A lot of people here listening now, and a lot of people that never have these conversations, everything is uh, more on a superficial level. But I love digging deep into your own history and your own life because mm-hmm. we need to spend that time if we want to live a good life. And, and life's so short. So, so short, you yeah. are, you should live a good life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I'm reminded, I try to remind myself every day, I'm like, man, life is really short. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, time moves by really quick. So really enjoy, try to enjoy what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'll have uh, two last questions, right? And then I'll let you go. The first one, I want you to imagine that you're 87 years old. Uh, you're in your mansion uh, <laughs> with your family or by yourself, whatever you want it, want it to be. And you're overlooking this, your favorite view. I don't know if it's the hills, the ocean, mountains, and you're contemplating on your life. Uh, what do you want to see and have happen in order to say, "Hey, this was actually a good one"? Man, that's a that's a beautiful question. I would I would hope that one day, you know, I can enjoy this with you know a partner, like you know, hopefully maybe one day kids or grandkids. If I'm 87, probably hopefully grandkids, <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, either either case, like I would love to know or have the feeling that you know I helped you know people with with accomplishing their goals in life. I think that's really important. Um, you know, for me, I've had so many incredible mentors and people in my life who inspired me to want to live again, to, to fight for something. And I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't try to say that to be cheesy or, or say that lightly. Like I really had moments where I like wanted to give up. And there's people in my life who, who gave me the confidence and the courage to, to try something till I, I fell in love with, with life again. I would say if I can encourage you know, one person to fall in love with life again, I would consider my life a success. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. And because I think we're all going through different trials and tribulations in our life, right? (laughs) Yours was very, very direct and uh, we can all understand it, but how you found your way back is admirable. And it, and I, I'm very happy that I, was able to to meet you Likewise. Uh, this way yeah. yeah and i hope our journey continues as friends for a long time it will it will uh, uh, last question for you ryan is for people that are still here you know one hour is a long time yeah. in 2021 yeah. with everybody's like goldfish attention three seconds three seconds yeah. on instagram and then you're gone <laughs> so if you're still here thank you guys we love you one hour with us is hopefully worth your time 
what is the one thing they can do right now to get a little bit closer to their goal? Like you said, write it down. You know, I think I think the step of having something come to fruition is 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 wishing for it and then acting on it. And the easiest way to act on it is just to write it down. I, I really like what you said earlier about pen to paper. I think that's 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 a beautiful thing. Um, I wrote down goals before in 2020. And I look back on it, I still had that piece of paper. I'm like, oh, what did I accomplish? What what did I exceed or what did I fall short on? Same thing this year. Um, I think that's important. Write it down. I, I'm, I'm stealing your answer, Peter. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. It's funny, over 230 guests now, and it's one of the most popular answers. Be, why? Because it fucking works. It works. So it works. write it down, guys. Sorry for all the profanity here, <laughs> uh, but we, we want to be authentic and real. And that's, that's the good thing with 2021. It's a podcast. You can say whatever you want, right? Exactly. And that is awesome. Uh, Ryan, Thank you so much. For people that want to check out Neuro or want to learn more about you, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, um, on our, our Instagram for our company is just Neurogum, N-E-U-R-O-G-U-M. Our website's uh, getneuro.com. And then personally, it's uh, ryan.ryc. So yeah, awesome. thanks so much for having me on, Peter. This was awesome. And guys, before I let you go, I need your help. I'm creating a tribe here with 10 million people creating better lives, achieving their goals. I can't do it myself. I need guests like Ryan on the show. I need you to help me share this. Give us a review. Let's spread this message. Let's get more people involved in living better lives and, and actually have some fun. Uh, if you enjoy this show, I also encourage you to, to check out some of our other cho- shows. One that I really enjoyed was uh, with Daniele Bolelli. We talked about his research on Bruce Lee. And actually the question, was Bruce Lee happy? Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Awesome. And then there's there's a whole, whole bunch of others. Check us out at ilovesuccess.co, YouTube, Instagram, podcast, whatever you uh, uh, is your preferred method. Without further ado, thank you guys, and I'll see you next week.